Guys, welcome back. This is Pastor Seth Cowart on Two Peas on a Pod. I'm joined here with Brother Zach, Brother Mark, and Brother Austin, your two hosts you're familiar with. And they call you the infamous Mark. That's what they call me. You called yourself the infamous Mark. <laughs> you're not supposed to say that That's about what yourself. I me. <laughs> Brother Nathan sang today and said all pride rolls away. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we we have a, a score to settle, and this is a this is a doctrinal issue. And uh, when it comes to doctrine, as Brother Gallagher says, it's precept. This isn't preference here. Yeah, and I think you're the one that started this. He is the one that started this. <laughs> I think you're the one that brought this up, and it innocently. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was very innocent. He didn't expect me and Mark to attack it like we did, especially Brother Mark. Okay, so here's here's what happened. I was on Marco Polo with my friends, Brother Austin and Brother Mark, and I said I, I was so aggravated with my handkerchiefs coming out of the dryer, a wad of cloth, and I said, brothers, is there a particular brand that you guys use where you don't have to iron your hankies every single time? Because there's got to be a brand that you can just pull out of the dryer, fold a couple of times, and run out the door. And next thing I know, Brother Mark comes on just a giggling and a hacking and making fun, and Austin starts making fun. And so uh, I... I uh, Got a little help in this issue, and Brother Zach, this time, he is on my side when it comes to handkerchiefs. I am. I am. So Brother Seth was asking if they ironed their handkerchiefs or not, and Brother Mark replied with this. Now, we're going to play a polo here. This is Brother Mark's response to Brother Seth asking if they are. I'm sorry for the quality. I can't plug it into the machine with four yeah, microphones. I'm just holding, holding it up to the to the microphone here. So Brother Seth asked if they aren't their hankies, which I do. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> and here's what Brother Mark said about that. Well, <laughs> um, I don't iron my hankies either. <laughs> Um, I uh, pretty much just put them in my pocket and they stay there for two or three, four shirt services <laughs> and they'll get washed and then go back in my pocket and stay there for another two or three shirt services. <laughs> Sorry, that might have been a little <laughs> TMI, but I had to throw that in there. Uh, I don't really, I'm not. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing because I think you're crazy. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> but I'm really not too worried about if my hanky is, if it folds right, or if it's wrinkly, or if it's nice and neat. Because <laughs> it's just a hanky. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Sorry, but I guess I was. <laughs> I guess I was. Uh, 
I guess that was the wrong gut. <laughs> the wrong gut ask about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Never in a million years did I think that would ever get played on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that was his response. <laughs> oh my goodness. I tell you, when I, when I got sent that polo, I wasn't on that group, but it was forwarded to me. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I couldn't hardly get over it. Oh, that was the funniest thing. Yeah. So, so, so the debate obviously, is. Obviously, Brother Mark is not much on it. <laughs> No. How how does a man carry a handkerchief? How should a man carry a handkerchief? And so Brother Seth is going by the view that you should buy your handkerchief and you should iron it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't play yes. the polo, but he sent us one of, I don't know if we should say shouting or foot dancing <laughs> by his ironing board <laughs> with some music. Yeah, he did. Ironing <laughs> his hanky. <laughs> and then I made the remark of, did he have a pink shirt to go with it? <laughs> and then, so we got uh, Brother Zach involved, and he sent a picture of his embroidered hankies that are ironed and embroidered. Yeah, Ooh. I think you should carry one like a proper gentleman. <laughs> Hang on, embroidered. You have to clarify it wasn't with flowers, right? No, <laughs> it was my initial. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he he wants his nose to see his initials when he blows snot all over it. A lady in our church made me some years ago with my initials on it. That is really nice. And then I have, I actually have one that has a Bible on it, a little Bible, and like a scripture says, like, preach the word, you know. So it's pretty nice. Wow. And I do iron them. Well, actually, I don't, but my wife does. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate it being nice folds where you can fold it back and put it back in your pocket. Don't you agree with that, Brother Seth? Oh, yeah, totally. So, like, uh, I was given a, a box, a, little, a small box of handkerchiefs for Christmas. And you know what I did? I saved the box so when they come out of the dryer, if they don't need ironing, I've got the name brand to buy some more. Oh. There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, are you the type to match, like, your handkerchief? Yeah, or? I usually try to, yes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, not always, but if if it's there, I do. I'll pick the one that matches if it's there. Okay, so I'm definitely a brother Don Ingram when it comes to handkerchiefs. <laughs> <laughs> white only. Yeah, that's all I have is white. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're like, hey, I'm getting ready to blow my nose and wipe my sweat. Everybody, make sure it's color coded yeah, with my shirt. Exactly. I mean, I don't have a bunch of colors of them, but like blue or white, or you know, I got like some blue checked ones and black and white checked ones. Or plaid or whatever you want to call it. Okay, so we need to move to Brother Mark. Y'all are taking the platform. <laughs> yeah, y'all siding yeah. important. I just don't see the point. I do hate... I, let me say real quick. I do hate that me and Brother Mark are on opposite sides of an issue. We've <laughs> been together so long. We have. <laughs> now, now I, I guess you got to draw a line somewhere. I guess so. <laughs> now, now, I've seen some apostles, air quote for the listeners... I've seen some apostles who use like a hand towel. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's like, man, they must be really spiritual. <laughs> the bigger the handkerchief, I mean, there's no iron in that. It's like a literal towel. Yeah, <laughs> there's no wrinkles. Well, in it. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see the point in ironing my hanky <laughs> because I'm going to use the blow my snotty nose <laughs> and wipe my dirty sweat. I don't. I do not <laughs> blow my nose in a hanky. I don't. 
I don't do that often. I mean, but I, I do would just have to be like a lot. I do sick or an I accident or something. I yeah. am right yeah. now because it's winter time and I'm constantly needing to blow my nose. No, I just but, I can't hardly do that. But there's people that do. Yeah, there are people that do. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that walks out of my seat to go to the bathroom or to the altar to get a tissue. I just put a yeah. hanky in my now, suit now, jacket. Yeah. We've all seen that one guy that blows his nose in his hanky. Puts it back in his pocket. Yes. And then a moment later wipes his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brother exactly. Mark's laughing Mark. nervously. He's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> See, that's another thing. I don't put my hanky back in my pocket unless it's neatly folded back. Ooh. Yeah. So do you, do you stop your sermon? <laughs> I leave it. I everybody, leave it. Instead of everybody praise the Lord to get a drink, everybody praise the Lord. So Brother uh, Sandy, fold his hanky. Fold some laundry real quick. Let's take a praise break while I'm folding laundry. Yeah. Everybody lift your hands and praise the Lord. i got to fold my hanky. No, uh, I it, it's ironed so well it doesn't need right. to be folded back. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I agree. My iron gets, or my hanky gets ironed on the way to church when I'm sitting on it. <laughs> okay. So technically, then you're you're on our side <laughs> against Austin. Then actually, I have, I do have a confession to make. When I sent that polo, I did not know this until after I sent that polo that he played. My wife told me, she said, um, you know, I iron your hankies. <laughs> and I didn't know that. I would pull them out, and I was like, man, I don't need to get these the things truth. ironed because they're so smooth and everything. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, here I sit as a lonely duck. <laughs> That's, that is pretty funny. But if it was up to me, they would not be ironed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. boy. A hotel guest just came around the corner and looked like yeah, one of the customers. That. So she's like, hmm, hankies, are they that? <laughs> are they what kind there? of podcast do they have? <laughs> talk about hankies. That's hilarious. <laughs> do they even have any listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Poor little things. <laughs> little hearts. Trying to do a podcast. They're probably high school students on break or something. <laughs> she probably thinks she's their only listener. <laughs> So the answer to that, do we have we have at least one listener at the present moment? <laughs> oh goodness! So oh, this is the theology of hankies. There's a theology to hankies, you know, because the whole point of ironing your handkerchief is so there's no wrinkles. And the word wrinkle is found. Come on. The word wrinkle is found twice. I said <laughs> twice <laughs> in the Word of God, and both times, fellers. It's in a negative light. I believe God's trying to speak to us. Let's listen. All right. All right here it is. All right. Job, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. So that way we know that it's still true. <laughs> I under, really thought this out. <laughs> <laughs> this is still true under grace. This is something that doesn't just pass away. <clears throat> Job 16 and 8. And thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me. All right. All right. All right. There. All right. But then here there's a New Testament. And oh, Mark's getting under conviction. <laughs> and so, yeah, he is leaning on one side well, you real see, hard. Brother well, Mark <laughs> said when he puts his, I don't know how many pounds that is, <laughs> on his hanky, there is no more wrinkles. They are completely pressed That's right. out. That's right. You're ironing. His are pressed. <laughs> That's what he's trying That's to right. do. Well, Ephesians 5.27 speaks of something that has no spot or wrinkle. No wrinkles. Well, so, like, like he said, 
I press mine. And Paul said, I press towards the mark. <laughs> so if they're wrinkled, if they're not wrinkled before church, I guarantee we could, I guarantee every one of our hankies are wrinkled after church. Yeah. So yes. how does that fall into your how does that fall okay. into your theology? Yeah. Okay, so exactly. here, here's my theology. After you right. use it, it's gonna be wrinkled. Come yeah, on, Pastor, yes. explain Pastor. Unless okay. you bring it do you bring an iron to church? No, 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 no. Here's you got what, that portable iron. <laughs> it, it it just depends on how excited I get when I was preaching. Right. And so sometime I'll do a mark. I'll just throw it back in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironed and ready for next Because I mean, if he can come back at any moment, he might catch you with a wrinkle. Oh no! It's still it's still without wrinkle. <laughs> now we all we all have that one. We all have those times. Well, at least for me, anyways, where there's laundry that I have not decreed it to be dirty yet. Have you ever mm-hmm. just stood and said, "Okay, this is dirty"? <laughs> so there's shirts that's not dirty yet. So you just hang it back up because it's not wrinkled. So you don't have to worry about ironing it again. Same way with a handkerchief. It's not dirty yet. We'll just put it in its own not dirty yet stack. <laughs> I see. Have you ever went to church with two handkerchiefs? No, I haven't. My brother said he started to because my pastor would uh, forget his and start asking, all right, brothers, I need a hanky. And yeah, then, I've preached at a few places where they had their own handkerchiefs yeah, me and they give you one. They uh, keep them under I've the, the yeah. podium. It's but the nice. reason for two handkerchiefs, I've done that multiple times, is because – at this present moment, you're like all caught up with sinuses. I don't want to be the guy that blew in my blew my nose on one side of the hanky and then refold it to the other side and then wipe my sweat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I'd carry one hanky and one. I carry mine in my suit pockets, right here on the inside. Yeah. So I'd have one for blowing my nose and I'd have one for my sweat. I spoke with a pastor who had evangelized for years, and he said he gave me some very sage ministry advice, and and I want to quote him. He said. It takes two things to be a successful evangelist, the anointing of the Holy Ghost and an ironed hanky. Wow. <laughs> did he wear a pink shirt? He did not wear a pink <laughs> shirt. No, no, he was... I wish our viewers could see the polo you sent <laughs> in response to Brother Mark's. It was uh, very disturbing. <laughs> well, that same pastor talked to me and said um, that I, I think Brother Austin... Uh, I think he he quenched the spirit. I I noticed he was struggling during that revival meeting because I saw his hanky was not ironed. Well, I know who you're talking about now. You all was in cahoots on that one. (laughs) But now I I must say, and I think we can all agree on this, there's only one thing that's worse than a wrinkly hanky, and that's a No hanky? No, that's bad. That is bad. That's bad. bad. Because you can use your sleeve, but that's And when you're preaching and sweat gets in your eyes and they start burning, and then you start pulling the, I can't open my eyes while I'm preaching, (laughs) that could be dangerous. Yes. Well, the only thing worse than a wrinkly hanky is a hairy hanky. (laughs) (laughs) That's disgusting. Now, hold on. Now, hold on. Our holiness wives often unwittingly donate some of their glory to our handkerchiefs. I mean, I've been, I've been behind the pulpit trying to feed sheep, but because I used a hairy hanky, there was an aggravating strand of hair wrestling with my tongue while I was trying to preach the gospel. <laughs> I mean, have y'all ever, y'all ever been in church 
<laughs> and this preacher's really bringing that point through. But he stops and he, and he grabs. He's trying to. <laughs> oh my goodness! He's trying to grab that strand out of his mouth. He reaches and pulls, and nothing comes out. These <laughs> hotel people are gonna think we are nuts. <laughs> or it's bad. It used to. I go to work. You know, we work construction. Be at work all day long, and you just feel this tickle in your arm. You're like, "What in the world's going on?" You've been around men all day long, and you're like, you're at the construction crew, and all of a sudden you go like this, and his hair just keeps coming, and coming, and coming, and coming. They're like, "Where did that come from?" Like, well, I got two girls at home, and uh, my six year old, her hair is getting rather long, and then of course my wife, and I did have a dog at the time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so so the conclusion of the matter, as Solomon would say, the whole the whole conclusion of the matter mm-hmm. is to iron your hanky That's and right. inspect it for hair. Well, <laughs> I'll agree with the inspect for hair, but I don't think I'm ever going to iron my hanky. <laughs> I will have to say that the hankies I've had this week in the meeting have been nice and pressed and folded. Mm-hmm. I just got them new for Christmas, <laughs> and so by the end of the year they're going to look pretty rough. But my wife. My wife cleans them, dries them, and everything. She puts them up where they go, and then they're just, you know. I mean, she would iron them if I asked her to, but I thought, why? You know, you got iron seven people's clothes. Why take the time to iron a hanky? Because it's important. <laughs> That's why. Oh, goodness. You take time to do things that are important. And so and my last question on this theology of a hanky, you know, if you've ever tried to fold something that's already been folded several times, it never gets folded exactly right. So do you have a tape measure? I don't have a tape measure, but it's an integrity issue. You know, no one's going to see the hanky in my pocket. Right. But as Brother Gallagher brought out this morning, that Jesus is concerned about what's on the inside. Mm -hmm. You know, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside also may be clean. So this is an integrity issue. Like, if you can't be holy when no one's looking, if you can't be without a wrinkle when no one is yep. watching, Come on. then what about those grand areas whenever, I mean, it's an integrity issue. That's right. You've really thought about those. Um, um, Pastor, please don't spiritualize a sweaty, stinky hanky. <laughs> You've been off the field too long already. <laughs> He's going to preach to his sheep on how to iron hankies. <laughs> Hanky 101 this Sunday morning with Pastor. Oh, goodness. That is funny. I think we need to move on past the hankies. It's been 19 minutes. Oh, boy. Wow. We've probably bored our entire <laughs> audience My goodness. with hankies. I was going to ask, do you iron your white T-shirts? Nope. So you do have You are. There are wrinkles within you. <laughs> yeah, now, now you're uh, well, preaching controversy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Contradiction. If you're going to be wrinkle free, you need to be totally wrinkle free. That means socks, white t shirt, and everything. The dryer takes care of that for the shirt, but that wrinkle, that, that hanky just goes into a ball. Yeah. And to say that I iron anything, I said I iron my hankies, but to be forthright, I don't iron anything, <laughs> to be honest. But, but they were ironed. I use ironed hankies. How about that? You use ironed hankies. <laughs> yes. That's like Mark. It just appears It appears ready, and you're like, oh, I don't need to iron mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. And he waits I to have, come on air to admit it. <laughs> I have ironed hankies. I will say I have done it, but 
my wife knows my preference, and so she goes ahead and has them ready. So Let's see, I just wanted to make that clear because I said I ironed them, but I don't. Yeah, you might get in trouble. Not that she she probably don't even listen. Probably she probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on from the theology of the handkerchief. We sort of apologize for taking so much time <laughs> on the handkerchief, but me and Seth, if you're not a preacher, don't understand. Seth, excuse me, we don't apologize. This is important. <laughs> Theology is not always a, important. If you're not a preacher, you'll understand. Handkerchiefs is a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, anyways, y'all can write in to us. We'll let Brother Mark and Brother Seth know what you say. If you want to send us an email or an Instagram DM, you can. Let us know what your stand is. Maybe we can move on from the state debate finally. <laughs> Get something new. And if but, you uh, have a handkerchief brand that doesn't need ironing and it's always ready to fold and preach away, how about then send us that bro brand? Bro, Seth will be on your door like a Jehovah's <laughs> Witness. Let me have your handkerchief. <laughs> Anyways, our email is 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. Anyways, we are moving on. We've got a short little topic here, Scripture of the Day. And then we going to sign off here. I think it might be short. I really don't know. We're <laughs> preachers. We say that all the time. We don't mean it half the time. It's just something to say. Anyways, Hebrews chapter number 11. Now we're going to spiritualize something. So you had a lot to say about handkerchiefs, Pastor Seth. Now let's see how much studying you did about this. <laughs> no pressure. He had, he had a whole sermon outlined and alliterations for the yeah. handkerchiefs. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number eleven, verse number one. I'm just going to read this, and then Brother Mark, he's he's the spiritual one. This was his idea. So um, Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one says, "Now faith." Got to switch gears here. Not handkerchiefs. Faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, that word evident or uh, substance here, I'm sorry, that word substance here uh, means ground or confidence. Now, faith is the confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then verse number six will be the other scripture. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yes, we we have to have faith. I believe that it's very important that we hold on to the faith that the Lord has given us. And the thing I'd like to point out about that verse, verse number one of Hebrews 11, he said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I am thankful for hope. We need hope. And uh, we've got to hold on to hope. But faith in and of itself is not hope. And uh, he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. If I don't have any substance to my faith, or to my hope rather, then I have a empty hope. I've got to have substance to my hope. And that substance is faith itself. What is faith? Faith is knowing that God is willing to help us in our situations and in our trials. Um, I like to say this right here. Uh, it is faith that receives what grace provides. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. What is faith? Forsaking all, I trust him. And if I can hold on to that kind of faith, I can receive from the Lord. 
He said, if I've got the faith, and then I can receive the grace that God has for me. And he said, for without faith, verse number six, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It did not say that he could be a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It did not say that he might be. It did not say that he'll think about it. It said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible would say, uh, said that whenever we come to him, we can have this confidence knowing that he heareth us. How do we know that? Through faith. I know that he's not only able to help me, but I know he's willing to help me through faith. Faith is the complete trust in God. Yes. Faith's heaven's currency. Faith gets the job done. Yes. God wants us to trust him fully with everything. Oh, yes. And so the example that I often use in in church and preaching is God wants us to, you know, it's it's so often as just human beings, we love, you know, as men, you know, I don't let my wife drive hardly at all. And it's, you know, there's multiple reasons behind that, but the main one is I want to drive. Most men are like that. I'd say most men listening are like that. We like being in charge of the steering wheel. When I make a turn, I want it to be me. You know, when I push mm -hmm. the gas or the brake, I want it to be me. I have a big old Tiffin bus I drive. I drive it. I've, had, I've only had very few other people drive it. I drive it. We want to drive. We want to make the turns. We want to do everything as men. We want to be in charge. Mm -hmm. But faith in God, humility for one, but faith, complete trust in God is we need to put it in park, step out of the driver's seat, oh, yeah. walk all the way around, mm -hmm. get in the passenger seat, and just sit there, not touch anything, and say, God, you take it. Oh yeah. You take the wheel. You take the steering wheel. You push the gas. You push the brake. Oh yes. You make the turns. I trust you. I I give it all to you. I got faith in you. Got if if we can do that, what places God could take us if we could just hop out of the driver's seat and let God take over. Oh yeah. Exactly. What amazes me about faith is the depth or degrees of faith that we see in scripture. Now, Romans 12 and 3 tells us that, that God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we know that faith is not something that we can initiate on our own. We need God's grace to have faith. But the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 2 that all men have not faith. Now, we believe the inerrancy of Scripture. And so in, in order... To come to the conclusion that the Bible does not contradict itself, there is only one logical conclusion to come to. Mm -hmm. If God gives men the measure of faith. But another scripture, this is the same writer, says that not everyone has faith. Mm -hmm. Then it's obvious that some have thrown their faith away. They've allowed it to die. Which brings me to another scripture Paul wrote to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 1 and 19, holding faith. Do you see the action that's required in order to oh, retain yes. what God has given us? Yes. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith. You see that? Mm 
oh, have yeah. made shipwreck. They have put their faith away. Oh yeah. They have removed the, their faith from them. Yes. <clears throat> and so, what amazes me about faith is the degrees of faith. We see that faith is a measure that God gives to every man. Some have more, but it, we all have a measure that God has given us. Okay. So in order to be saved, we have to have faith because. Mm-hmm. We are justified by faith, Romans 5 and 1. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And when we're saved, that saving faith, because the devils have faith, they believe and tremble. Mm -hmm. But that's not saving faith. Judas had faith. He repented, but he found no salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, But that saving faith, that faith that brings us to salvation, that's not the, the... end of faith that's only the beginning of faith yeah because we see that faith is a fruit of the spirit we see that faith is a gift of the spirit yeah and so we're we're not we're not talking about the same measure it's very obvious the measure of faith is for us to in order to initiate that repentance to have faith in the gospel because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god so we see that there is a, a union between the providence of God or the sovereignty of God and the, the will of man uh, uh, intersecting there as we hear the gospel he's given us and we activate the faith he has given us and then the process of faith only continues and there should never be a time where our faith just lies dormant. We should always, it's a, it's a forward progress. Yeah. It is literally a walk. We walk not by sight but by faith. Yes. It is a forward right. progression just yeah. just like you so uh, brought, brought up in our last theological conversation. We're pressing forward. <laughs> the progress is always forward yes, and that's even with our faith it's, oh yes we're never to just we're always just supposed to be leaning forward for a greater degree of faith right. yes yeah and, and faith is not something um i think sometimes people uh maybe even more uh worldly minded people um they look at faith as something that is like a fairy tale Mm-hmm. Or faith is something that is, you know, farcical, but faith is so real. Oh yeah. And it, um, if you look in that second verse there, I just had it pulled up, um, Hebrews eleven and two, it said that for by it, of course, speaking of faith, yeah. for by it the elders obtained a good report. You know, they put faith to the test. Oh yeah. And they yeah. found out. You know, if you if you continue down that chapter, they put faith to the test, and they found out that faith. Was real, you know. It was something that you could grab a hold of, and it was more real than the things that they could see. Their faith ended up being more real to them than yeah. what the uh, what what the odds were or what the facts were that were in front of them. When they got a hold of faith, you know, it proved it proved out to them. Yeah, right. I was just thinking. My mind goes back to uh, July of 2019, and that was when I had a truck and a fifth wheel and i know brother mark you did about a year ago and yeah brother seth he's the veteran he's done it for <laughs> quite a while before for for me and you and uh but us three you know when we was we was on that same moment pulling out and i remember you know i, I knew i had faith in god mm-hmm. but it was just that that moment of okay i'm sitting here we've got it we've sold our house we've moved everything yeah. in the fifth wheel mm-hmm. you know everything's done 
and I didn't have no revivals, no mm-hmm. meetings, no nothing. The only re- I think I had two services scheduled, and the only reason was is because they were both friends, and I was passing through, and they'd asked me to come several times. Yeah, um, two pastors, and so I was coming through, and I told them, and so they scheduled me, and so I had a Sunday morning and a Sunday night scheduled in a certain area, and that was it. And I had me and my wife and my two kids and my truck and fifth one everything, and so. I had a good job, a good paying job that provided for my family, paid all my bills and everything. You know, I was a lead man for a scaffold crew. I was topped out. And, you know, and then your flesh kicks in. You're like, Mm. okay, when Mm. I quit this job, I got one paycheck coming next week, and that's it. Mm. Do I have enough faith? Mm. Do I have complete trust in God? Yeah. That he, the Bible says, to take no thought what you should eat and drink in your clothes. But I'm your father. I know what you need. Seek ye first kingdom. Am mm-hmm. I do? Am I putting God first? And I'll tell you, my, it really, I had to self-reflect, and I really had to make, you know, I, I prayed a lot, so God give me faith. And today, from that moment, the the much, how my faith has increased, mm-hmm. because, you know, it, you don't have to have a whole lot of faith to see something. Mm-hmm. When your eyeballs see it and your hands touch it, that don't take much faith. Yeah. But when it's you have no idea and you're just like, God, I have no idea how this is going to happen, oh, but yeah. I trust you. And just this year, and I could tell stories for hours, literally, of everything God's done just in my family. And we could tell hours in your family and hours in your family and hours in every family here. We could just tell hours and hours about what God's done. But that was just the first moment I thought about was you know, an act of faith. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then now... Approaching my third year evangelizing, never missed a bill. Yeah. I've never missed payments. I've not went hungry. You all can see yes, that looking at me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just faith, a complete trust in God. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you, I, I remember what that was like whenever God started dealing with us. It's scary. It is scary. <laughs> I, uh, You've never done it before. Yeah. You're like, oh, man. Yes. And uh, I, I had been preaching for, I guess, at the time, about 14 years. And, I was like, uh, Lord, I'm stepping into a new area. I've I, I've spent most of my preaching was just preaching at the home church. I never really there was a couple of times I got out and preached at some uh, neighboring churches, Vanceburg and Yost Church, and uh, I think uh, maybe Flatwoods. But uh, I didn't get out and preach too much. But then I I was scared. I was, and uh, it took faith. It took faith to believe God, like like you said. Brother Seth made the comment to activate your faith. And how do you activate your faith? You activate your faith through obedience. When mm-hmm. God speaks to you, you move. And like James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says this. It says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Mm-hmm. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. And he's saying that faith is an act. Faith is an act. And Romans chapter 16, uh, I can't remember exactly which verse. It's either the last verse or the second from last verse, but it makes this statement. It's it's the obedience of faith. And uh, it's faith is an act of obedience. When God speaks, you obey. And whenever he spoke to us, we obeyed, and he's met every need he has. Have y'all ever been in a church service, preaching or or otherwise, 
and you just felt a special and this sounds mystical but you under, let me let me finish you felt a presence of faith you felt faith so strong like like it this was supernatural like yes. you felt faith really come over you that you could you could almost prophesy not in yourself but you just feel that kind of unction inside of you that you could lay hands on somebody and in those moments I just, I just, I feel like that is the gift of faith, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't, you can't put it in a test tube and say this is the gift of faith right here. Yeah. You can't, you can't prove it with science. Not, you don't have, just because you can't put it in a test tube doesn't mean it isn't right. real. But you can't in, see the gift, but you can see the effects of the gift. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so, in the whenever you feel, it don't matter if you're in church. But if you just feel, um, if you just feel faith rise up about a situation, pray right there. Oh yeah. Because I feel that's the Holy Ghost interceding for our. Because you remember that father that came to Christ and said, "I believe, but yeah. help with yeah. my unbelief." And the Lord helped him with his unbelief. Yeah. Right. And I believe God is gracious because He understands that our emotions overwhelm us, and our finite mind does the best that we can. And in those moments when we can't, that's when we depend on the Holy Ghost, as Pentecostal people especially. Oh, yeah. And so if you're on the job, if you're washing dishes, if you're by yourself, if it doesn't matter. When you feel that faith rise up, start praying right then and oh, there. Yeah. Because I believe that's the anointing of the Holy Ghost yeah, to believe. believing. Yes. Brother Mike Maxson uh, Jr. was preaching in the minister's conference that we was listening to the um and he was talking about those adverse winds and those contrary winds oh, and he talked powerful. i never i've heard it talked about but not this particular illustration he talked about those scientists that made a perfect atmosphere and made it in a bubble and you know they didn't have no problems and everything was just perfect and within you know a certain amount of time all the trees just started falling over because they hadn't you know dug their roots down they hadn't had no yeah. Uh, you know any contrary uh, contrary winds hadn't had no storm that hadn't had to mm-hmm. dug deep mm-hmm. you know and I find that so true just in our lives even before evangelizing and now evangelizing I just told my wife the other day I said we've went through more in the last two and a half years yeah. doing work for God than we ever did the other six and a half years of marriage yeah but then I thought you know look at when you anytime you do something for God he's going Everything is going to attack you, and sometimes there's a reasons they're called testimonies. Yeah, God's going to put you through a test. Oh yeah, and you know it takes those wins to now. I can look back, and I know for a fact that right now today I am so much stronger in my faith than I was on day one, or when yeah. obviously when I, you know, at the very beginning of my ministry, I look back and I've got story after story after story about how I had no idea. But he did it. It yeah. was impossible. Oh yeah. But he did it. Yes. The banker laughed at me. Mm. But he did it. Yeah. And you know, story after story, and I'm like, okay. And now it's to the point, you know. And Zach would tell you sometimes things would happen. And we're like, oh boys, I can't pay my bills. I don't know what's going to happen. And you know, and people just have to tell me, just calm down. He's God's going to work it out. I'm like, but you don't understand. Yeah. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the stress I'm bearing. Your bank account don't look like mine, <laughs> and you know, so on and so forth. But then God worked it out every yeah. single time. And so now I look back, I'm like, God, forgive me for my unbelief. Oh yeah. yeah. But you got to put that flesh under subjection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Under subjection, and you know that song 
sisters in our church sing a lot is I just need a little bit more faith. Yeah. I need a little bit more faith. Yeah. You're being quiet. I am just taking it all in. You're sleepy. Andrew. You're sleepy. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> He's over just shaking his head like yeah. He's taking it in all I right. I wish y'all just hurry up so I can go to sleep. <laughs> no. It's only like good. It's only like 1230. Yeah, it is. I've been up a long time. You want to add anything to this to this discussion of faith? Well, you was talking about the adverse winds. And, uh, you know, God does build our faith through those. And he has mine. You know, I've had we certain things that, um, you know, the, the you've been through a test and the Lord will bring you out of it. And you're, you know, you're always stronger on the other side of it. But I was thinking of my memo, Cordell. Um, we've talked about her a few times on here. And uh, anybody that knows us has heard her testimony. But when she got saved, she went through such a horrible mind battle for a long time. And uh, it about drove her crazy. And the, the devil kept telling her, you know, you're not saved, you're not saved, you're not saved. Of course, he does that, you know, to everybody. And uh, she about lost her mind over it. And finally, one day she told the devil, she said, I just told the devil. She said, well, if I'm not saved, she said, I'll go to hell living for the Lord. And uh, she said, because I'm not changing my ways. And she said, from that very moment that her, it was turned all the way around. She said, I never fought that battle again. Wow. She said, from that moment. And her faith was increased yep. in such a strong way because of those adverse winds. And uh, Austin was talking about, you know, stepping out and living for God and and uh, taking that um, road of faith there, you know, trusting in the Lord. But it, it takes faith, and I'm not diminishing that. That is a, a huge step of faith. But um, if you're not a full-time evangelist that is listening, it takes faith to live yes. for God oh, no, yes. matter what. no matter what. You know, no matter what your yeah. situation is. We live by faith and oh, under yeah. the grace of God. Oh, Brother yes. Mark mentioned grace. You know, it's it's by the grace of God that anybody, I don't care if you're, uh, if you got a job making $100 an hour, it's it's yeah. the grace of God that allows you to wake up in the morning yes. and to go to that and you gives you the strength that you're even going to get out of bed yeah. that morning. So, you, you know, we all live yeah. by the faith and the grace oh, of yeah. God. Exactly. Yeah, we need faith. We all need more faith. Oh, yeah. my. You got scriptures yeah, like in James where it says the prayer of faith shall, shall save, save the, the sick. sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was praying for a sick baby that just had surgery the other day. And I was praying. I said, God... You know, Jairus came to you in faith, and you came to his house. And God, would you, you know, come to? I was at the hospital. I said, Would you come to this hospital from a persistent prayer of a father like Jairus? Would you come and, you know, answer my prayer? God, help me to have more faith. I need more faith for this um, that you'd help my boy. It was, you know, pretty uh, an intense thing for our family. You know, we hadn't went through something like that, and uh, you know, we just. We want faith. Oh, yeah. And I look back, and I think of when I was talking about adverse winds, um, you know, I, I told a story one time about this um, this guy that went to an orange grove, and the trees on one side, uh, the, all the irrigation uh, pump was broken. They was getting no water, and the sun was shining, and one side of the orange grove was withering. All the trees were falling over and dying, and they was being scorched to death by the sun. And on the other side of the orange grove, the same exact conditions no irrigation pumps, sun scorching, and they were thriving. They were doing every, I mean, they looked perfect trees. And that guy said, what in the world? That don't make no sense. He said, well, the difference is, he said, this guy over here, he said, when he planted his trees in the orange grove, he had a water hose, and he just babied them with water and everything, and their roots were very shallow, and now they're dying. He said, and this guy, he said, he starved his trees all the time. 
when everything was perfect. He starved his trees, and he made their roots go so much deeper mm-hmm. that they're getting moisture from spots that these trees can only dream of, mm-hmm. and they're thriving in famine mm-hmm. because their roots are a whole lot deeper. And that's my prayer. I want my roots to go deeper. And no, nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants to jump up and down and say, "Put me in the furnace, Lord." Yeah. You know, put me in the fire. Test me. Test me. Ruffle my feathers. Yeah. You know, just, just put a pour it out on me, Lord. Pour the cup of judgment out on me. Yeah. No, we don't want. We're not asking God to do that. But the fact is, we're going to go. Daniel's going to go in the lion's den. Yeah. The three Hebrew children are going to go through the fire. Life's going to happen. Joseph's going to get put in pit in the pit in the prison. It's just that we we just need to have faith and trust God in His plan. One of the most inspirational um, texts in the Gospels about faith to me is in Matthew chapter eight. You remember when that Roman centurion came to Christ and said he has a sick servant at home. That text has ministered to me lately. And it's amazing because, first of all, Jesus said, I have not found faith in Israel. He said, Jews don't even believe like this. And what was it that made Christ marvel? I call it marvelous faith. The marvelous faith of the centurion was this. You don't have to come to my home. I don't have to see you lay hands on him. You remember Paul said that Jews require a sign? Well, that that need for a materialized sign and evidence that God is moving for my request. Jews needed that. Well, he wasn't a Jew, and that and that marveled Christ because he said, "You don't need to come to my home; just speak the word." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a part of marvelous faith: is faith in the word of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You speak the word, and whenever Jesus said, "Be it done unto your uh, as unto your faith," or however it's worded. That man walked away from Christ back home. Mm-hmm. Imagine, that was literally a walk of faith. Yeah. When he left the Savior to return home to his problem, because we all have problems, if I could put it this way, we all have problems in our home, in our private life. We have issues that arise at times. We need the Lord to get involved in it. And sometimes we have to walk away unsure of how it's going to work out we got to have faith in the word of Jesus because faith isn't just pulling something out of the air. It's finding it in God's word and standing on it right. and applying it to your practical everyday life. And that's what that centurion did. And that's why I believe it was marvelous faith. He sought the word of Jesus and walked the word of Jesus. He went home on what Jesus said. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, you know, the, the walk of faith, um, how could we talk about faith with not mentioning Abraham taking Isaac oh, yeah. up the mountain? Oh, I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, faith yeah. going up the mountain with Isaac. And the New Testament lets us know that he believed Isaac was going to come down the mountain alive. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, he, he had faith because God had already told him, you know, from Isaac is going to be your, you know, uh, seed, even as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. And, uh, he took Isaac up the mountain in faith yeah. that Isaac was going to come back down. He didn't know how. He didn't know what was going to go on. Yeah. But he had faith in God because God had said it and he trusted it in the in the word of the Lord, just like Brother Seth just said. He trusted God that no matter what happened up there, that God was going to bring his promise to pass. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I think Paul said that he had faith that he would rise him, he would raise yeah. him up. Yeah. yeah. He had faith that he'd raise him up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He believed in a resurrection. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
uh, M.R. DeHaan was writing about Abraham and about Isaac, and he was comparing it to, you know, Christ, Isaac, a type of Christ. Mm. And um, he he wrote about that, you know, when um, Isaac laid on the altar. And Isaac was a, a lot of people think he was 33 and a perfect type of Christ. And if you study out it, it makes perfect sense. And Isaac was, we know he was definitely older. He was not a kid. He was not, mm-hmm. you know, a, a five, six, eight year old kid. He was a man. And it speaks to the type of man Abraham was. Isaac trusted Abraham enough to lay down on that altar. Yeah. Abraham was an elder man at that point. Isaac mm-hmm. was a young man. Wow. He could have overthrew Abraham, but he trusted his dad. He'd seen his life. He knew if he, if his dad said God said to do it, he trusted that God said to do it. Yeah. And he laid down on the altar willingly, just like Christ. And M.R. DeHaan said when he got up off that altar, when God provided the ram and he got up, he said that was as good as a resurrection yeah. for Abraham. Because yeah. in Abraham's mind, he was as good as dead. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. But when he got up, he was alive. And uh, it was I, awesome. I really enjoyed reading that. It was a good study on Abraham by M.R. De, or on Isaac, M.R. DeHaan. Wow. That's good. So we talked about faith. So the synopsis is you can have faith in God. Oh, yeah. You can trust him. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Mm. You can trust mm-hmm. God with everything. Anything right. and everything. Everything, no matter how big, no matter how small, mm-hmm. nothing shall be impossible with God. That's right. Brother Mark, you want to take us out of here? Well, you've been listening to Two Peas on a Pod with uh, Brother Austin, Brother Zach, and Brother Seth, and the me, Mark White. The famous. <laughs> so how come you, you got a title, and none of us did. I was just saying what I was told to say. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the blame. <laughs> but this is us signing off. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us, guys. Good night. The Lord says to me, my child, well done. It's actually morning. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Yeah, good night. <laughs>